statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439. Or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Today I'm talking about pathological lying, what it is and how it compares to normal lying. Here here we go with uh, everybody's going to write the narrative after the first game. Pathological lying used to be called Pseudologia Fantastica. I like saying that. It's going to be a climb, right? It's going to be a climb. And it referred to people who told multiple outrageous lies that would border on the fantastic. I like what I see out there in terms of our good plays and how our guys are flying around, the depth that we have. And those were more than just simple lies. These would include elaborate details that seem questionably believable. We will continue to improve the baseline for that group, the ceiling for that group is much higher than it was 12 months ago. The motive behind the lying wasn't always clear, and sometimes it was just to impress people. A lot of work to do, and we're the right people to get it done. Well, there you go. Tyler continues to wear the grudge like a crown, and... uh I just, I don't know. The L.A. Times told me to make that uh, open today. That was not my decision. They did far worse than I just did in their uh, column yesterday talking about the USC defense. Would you rather have an undefeated regular season for the Sooners or a winless regular season for the University of Southern Cal? Do I have to answer that now or can I get back, <laughs> can I get back to you on that? The bad thing for them, the great thing for this show is their next one, two, three, four, five games can only be like uh, if they continue to struggle defensively, they're not going to have a lot of games here until they play Notre Dame in the middle of October to kind of swing the narrative back in the other direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very favorable schedule the first half. So if they give up 28 points to Nevada on Saturday – Guess what you're going to hear next Monday? Me clowning on him again. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it's going to be tough. You know, University of Southern California head football coach Lincoln Riley has fired a defensive coordinator midseason before, and it happened to be the brother of <laughs> the guy he succeeded in, uh, uh, in, in the head coaching position. So... Um, I you never know. I, if the pressure mounts and they lo- they're losing games to people they shouldn't, then I, I mean I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if yeah. something like that happened. But my opinion of them is not going to change moving forward. And well, you know, some will say, "Oh, about time he got rid of Grinch. She's been holding USC back." Man, they're going to have the same philosophy over there. I think it's going to be the same result. Regardless of the defensive right. coordinator, that's right, that's right. Um, I, 
here's what the here's the issue for me with them. Uh, if they have trouble through the first six weeks of the season defensively, I, you almost can't make a move because the last six weeks of the season are murderer's row. So if you're struggling early, it ain't going to do you any good to fire your defensive coordinator. Well, because uh, it, it's about to get way worse. And and did it did it go over all that well the first time he did it? You know what I mean? No. Like, so I, I think how it went the last time it happened. Yeah, I think he probably keeping Alex Grinch till the end of the year, unless it gets really really bad here moving forward. Yeah, but and I don't. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily know how bad it was. Uh, against San Jose State. I know definitely the first touchdown they gave up was a long drive. Um, it was like a 10-play drive that lasted, you know, a couple of minutes there that was not great, and that tied it up at 7. And then, you know, you pushed it to 21-7 and then gave up uh, that that touchdown right there before halftime to make it 21-14, having people feel uneasy. So, um I don't know. I think it was probably because of because of the pressure of last season and people wanting to see a, a vast improvement. It probably makes it look a lot worse than really what it is. I mean, fifty six twenty one, and San Jose State scores a twenty eight. Sir, don't be. Uh... Well, what I was saying is, it's it was fifty six twenty one, and then. San Jose State scored a, a late touchdown in the fourth quarter. Nine one eight Edo, the next DC at USC. Three laughing face emojis. God, that would be amazing. Be, oh, nice. That'd be way better than three laughing faces emojis. I'd have way more than that. Nine one eight. That's what you get with the glorified Texas Tech head coach, Jim in Arlington. Tyler, yeah, uh, that won't make any difference. It's going to be the same kettlebells and the same P ninety X workout. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's true. Um, back to the game at hand on Saturday. How are we uh, – is this just one of those games where we are going to look at success as whether they cover the spread or not, the 35-point spread against a team like Arkansas State? Um, like, how do we determine after this one if they played well or not or if it was a successful Saturday? The spread really isn't going to do that for me. I know that – like, if if you have a couple of hiccups out there and you don't cover the, scre- the spread, it's going to make people really angry, <laughs> right? So I know a lot of people will ultimately judge it by that. But it all depends on how it unfolds. Like I said earlier, like, if your threes are out there and they make some late mistakes and Arkansas State capitalizes on it, well, I don't know if it's anything to panic about. But if your first team offense and defense are getting pushed around or don't look crisp and don't look definitively like they are by far better than Arkansas State then I think that's really more what you need to be worried about I, than what the overall final score is. I, I'm, I'm just starting to think that and I had this thought just overall for the non-conference slate but like best case scenario on Saturday is yeah you, you win this one easy cover the spread or not your wide receivers are streaking wide open throughout the day, and your quarterback does not miss any of those throws. Yeah. Because if there's going to be a groan from the crowd on Saturday, 
it's going to be a wide open receiver down the field and Dylan Gabriel overthrows him and they miss right. on that play. Yeah. That's that like that's one of the big situations or one of the big things that could happen to where people would find themselves upset. And if you're Levy, I would I would take that into consideration whenever I'm calling plays. Because what's the what would you love to do? You'd love to run it twice, get a first down on both of those runs, have Arkansas State already spinning, up-tempo, and then hit a bomb for a touchdown whenever you got them thinking run and you're going up-tempo, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. But I think it would be better served to let Dylan Gabriel get into the rhythm of the game before he has to heave a deep ball. You know, throw some- let him complete a couple of easy passes, maybe run a play action, maybe run a boot, throw a tunnel, uh, maybe get him involved in the running game to ease the nerves, let him take a hit, and then try a, to push something down the field perhaps. Yeah, I just, like, mentally for Dylan Gabriel, that's – if I'm – I don't even know if I'm, I'm worried about that side. I'm, I'm definitely not right now, but I just wonder how much last year some of those misses – were mental so just getting him right mentally to start the year in a good place there because I don't like physically I know he doesn't have as strong of an arm as as Jackson Arnold but physically I think he is enough for this team to win a big 12 championship so I'm not gonna overly I'm not really gonna concern myself with what he is or what some people think he isn't physically it's more about mentally for me can he get in a groove can he get comfortable is he confident it sounds like he is and if he stays confident throughout the year, I think he's going to have his best year. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty good right now with the quarterback position. I feel good about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's good enough to win the Big 12. You had two backup quarterbacks played in the Big 12 championship last year against one another. Okay? Um, now. I guess you had one the year before, too. And that team won the Big 12 championship. Baylor had the backup uh, play, right? Was he? Was he? He? Yeah, he didn't start the season as a starter, did he? Who no. did start the season as a starter that, last year? Did, did uh, or two years ago? Did Shapin start the year as the starter for Baylor two years ago? I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like they had a. Uh, anyway, like the, the 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 point holds up about the backup quarterbacks in the championship right. game. Uh, he didn't. It was the dude. Um, oh my gosh! Why can't I remember his name? Remember, and he hit the transfer portal. You're not talking about uh, Bohannon. Yeah, that's who it was. He played the whole year for him and then was banged up, and I don't think he played the Big 12 championship game or the last two games of the season for them, and then he hit the transfer portal. Yeah. There, uh, yeah. Nope, yeah, it was Blake Shapin that started that game. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why yeah, I thought it was someone Bohannon other than Shapin. was the starter for the year, so it was a backup quarterback one at two yeah. years in a row. Shapin was 23-28, but the point that you're making, yes. I, Dylan Gabriel is good enough for this team to win a Big 12 championship. But, you know, we, we, we always bring up the schedule, seemingly, when we talk about this season. And I'd say occasionally, not a lot, but occasionally, we'll get a little pushback on the text line saying, yeah, you guys are wrong. Like, this schedule's not great, but it's going to be better than what you think. How can, oh, this, yeah. ske- how can this schedule, how, how can you and I be wrong about this schedule and it ends up being a lot more difficult than what we think it is right now. Because I made my opinion pretty well known on how I feel about the schedule. 
um, TCU is the same TCU as last year. Um, Kansas recaptures the the momentum and the the excitement that they had a year ago. Um, quarterback stays healthy, and Texas is as as advertised. And it feels like um, all of those things would have to happen, right? Yeah, and you know, here's the thing. I think Cincinnati is going to be a little bit tougher than, than maybe people expect. UCF could be a, a, a tough game. And I'm not like, – I've never looked at that and said that like, all of these games are just going to be give-me's. But I, we have to – we're a blue blood football program, okay? I – UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, even BYU and T, throw all of those in there. You you just, I will yield that those, those there's going to be good teams in there, good football teams. But like, that's no different than any other type of season. Like, we just don't have any big names on there roster-wise that should be able to compete with Oklahoma. I shouldn't say be able to compete. Where we don't have a definitive edge. I think that's the point, yeah. Well, especially I mean, with the league that you're going into and you want to be competitive yeah. right away, you need to be a program that takes care of this schedule. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really how we approach it. I mean, next year you're going to play, I don't know, four at least four games where – you're going to have, at best, a comparable roster, but most likely a worse roster. Yeah, that just... well, if you find way to lose games this year where you have the better roster, it'll yeah. make me, you, everyone really nervous about trying to win games against teams next year with comparable or better rosters. Yeah, sure. yes. that's all it is. I mean, it's not uh, It's not a I, – I think that – a lot of these teams at their best, Cincinnati at their best a couple years ago made a college football playoff, okay? Iowa State a couple years ago at their best was one of the toughest outs you could have. Their defense is incredible, and I think they will be again this year. Um, Texas is talented. UCF has had some really impressive offenses over the years. Um, you know, Kansas, if you get what you got last year, tough team. I mean, all of these teams at their best over the last decade have been really good. West Virginia's even been really good in there. Like everyone has, but I think we happen to be catching most of them, except for Kansas, on a little bit of a downswing instead of an upswing. Yeah, nine one eight. I want my coach to approve every game like Nick Saban does. Oh, you you want to hear someone talk glowingly about Middle Tennessee? Uh, I'm sure Nick Saban did did just that today. Well, make it make Middle Tennessee sound like a 12 win football team tonight. That's what uh, the University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent yeah. Venables He'll is going to do with Butch Jones ASU in some of the games that he's coached in before. Yeah, that's right. You going to say Butch, please? Back <laughs> to him. Tennessee fans used to have Butch, please T-shirts. Oh man, that's funny. Good stuff. All right. 
Let's hit a quick... Or visit us at www.okcoop.org slash renewables. With custom signs and graphics from Fast Signs, you can say anything. Invite the world to discover that thing that makes your business unmistakably yours. Make your statement in lights or metal, on a van, across the windows. Make it unforgettable. Together, anything is possible. Bright ideas, brilliantly executed, can turn the mundane into the marvelous. Transforming your space begins at our place. Power your business visibility and make your statement with Fast Signs. Call Fast Signs at Norman, 405-701-2890. Yeah, we, we've got a little bit of competition still working through, you know, as, as we move forward throughout the week. You'll see multiple guys playing for sure, um, but we feel good about where we're at. You know, as, again, as you look at it, there's guys that maybe haven't played a ton of ball here, but they have played a whole bunch of ball. You know, whether it's Walter, McCade obviously coming back as a starter, had all those starts prior to being here. Uh, Rame has all the starts that he has. Uh, and you look at guys like Tyler and and Savion, and, and then Troy having all the starts that he had last year. So uh, we feel uh, feel good about where we're at. Again, excited about the opportunity Saturday morning. There's Jeff Levy earlier today talking about his offensive line. Mentioned six players there. Walter Rouse, uh, McCade Mattire, Andrew Rame, Savion Bird, Tyler Guyton, and then he mentioned Troy Everett as well. But Rouse, Mattire, Rame. Bird and Guyton. Uh, it feels like that's the favorite for the starting five on on uh, Saturday. If all yeah. those guys are healthy and not something didn't happen here recently and got banged up. Yep, that's that's who it's going to be, and I feel really good about it. I do. Um, the fact that those guys have um, kind of given the first opportunity to be the starting group and. From what I saw, never really handed that opportunity off to anyone else. Makes me feel really solid that those guys uh, kind of went above and beyond and took it and ran with it, and specifically Savion Bird. Because, you know, Rouse is experienced, big, strong, athletic, um, super consistent, but... I don't know if he is an angry, pissed-off mauler that we've seen with Bill Bimbo good offensive lines. I think you can say the same thing about Guyton, and maybe that comes with him whenever he, he you know, starts to starts to get the confidence that he's playing at that level. Um, Mataliers never really been that guy, or maybe doesn't have the capability to move people that way. And like, no one has really had that that mean streak, but Savion Bird has it for Did, sure. Yeah. Um, didn't was it Rouse? Didn't he say that he used to get in trouble for that back to the previous school he was at, where at Stanford? Probably. Like he would hurt people's feelings if he tried to be too intense, trying to throw him around. I used to get annoyed that every single game we would have a 15-yard penalty on one of our offensive linemen. Cody, for Cody Ford, for sure. Cody Ford, Orlando Brown, I someone, every single game. And I'd sit there and be like, man, okay, it didn't cost us here because our offense is so good that we just pick up the first down and on we go. 
but we're going to get to a point somewhere where it's going to hurt us. In hindsight, I give it. I, I want that back. <laughs> right? You'd rather have it than the than the other way, sure. Yeah, yeah. We but, and those are know. back in the days when we were spoiled. It was like third. Why does everyone? Exactly. Why does everyone talk about third and ten being a difficult down? I watch this team every week. Third and ten's not yeah. a difficult down. They pick it up every single time. Then we right. learned last year. Oh my God, third and seven might as well be third and a mile. No right. chance here. Our third down last year was thank God there's fourth down too. <laughs> so. Um, but, you know, a lot of the reason my third down wasn't that big of a deal was because of those offensive lines, right? And if this group gets anywhere close to where those groups played, then I have no reason to believe that it won't be the exact same for this offense. Yeah, they, uh, they've really – it feels like they're in a good spot. You feel good about them, but it feels like they're in a good spot that they know who the five are and they've got three or four weeks to really gel together and be ready to play some good football um, before they hit October. I'm going to guess that they push Arkansas State around on Saturday. They should push Arkansas State around on Saturday. Is that going to totally change anyone's opinion of the offensive line? Maybe not, but they go to Cincinnati, and they've played, what, three games together up to that point. They – Got some cohesion there. Like, that might be the first time we say, ooh, boy, this offensive line is actually pretty good. Well, I it would be hard to envision a scenario Saturday that makes me feel uh, better about the offensive line. Like, if they went in and absolutely mauled Arkansas State, maybe I would be like, okay, this group is – maybe they're a little nastier than I thought – but for the most part, I think it's like, the only thing that could happen is you come out away kind of disappointed in the offensive line, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think that's, that's the case for a lot of this non-conference schedule, honestly. And that's the nature of the non-conference. I mean, oftentimes that's what you what you get. But um, I fully expect them to to dominate. But everyone's happy right now because it's game week and they got David Stone on Saturday. Heck of, a, heck of a time to uh, get David Stone. Everyone was already excited for game week, and then now it's here, and you just got your biggest defensive line commit in over a decade. What What do you think? Huge. Huge? How huge? Is this? It, okay, it's, it's huge because it's important in more than one area. The player itself... Yeah, that's important moving forward in the SEC. You and I have already talked about he's probably going to play next year as a true freshman in that conference. I think it like what what really pushes it over the top to me is like the the narrative that I think it's going to change because he's the first one in quite some time a legit five star defensive lineman to commit to OU, and I just think that now that David Stone has done it, they're going to have better success with five star defensive linemen here moving forward. And he's the one that's, I think, going to change that. The, the narrative's yeah. flipping a little bit. Like, that's what I think pushes it over the top. Three five-star defensive players in two years, Tyler. Yeah. And a bunch of four-stars mixed in. And, um, well, in, in what, four, just all together, what, four five-stars in two years? And all at critical positions, right? Yeah. Like not at, I mean, I'd I take a five-star wide receiver, don't get me wrong, but... The what the you had a class the 2019 class had no actually it was uh, Rattler's class 
that had four five stars, but it was one quarterback and three wide receivers. Yeah. You got a quarterback, a safety, an edge rusher, and an interior defensive line. Right. Not only have you gotten four five stars, it's like the, the most impactful positions. Right. And, you know, the other thing, like, those two defensive line player, five-star edge and interior, both, like, what, top six players, both of them? Isn't Stone the number six player in the country, or am I, am I wrong I on that? I think he's he, he's top ten. I think he's top maybe ten. eight on, uh, on one service. Yeah. Well, top ten, two top ten in their class defensive players. Like, that is... That's unheard of to go back to back like that. Like we haven't done anything like that. I don't know ever in this era. Like not in, this, in the yeah, not, not recruiting era. ratings era. I mean, they've had five stars, but I don't know that they've had back to back years with multiple defensive five stars. And I guess they're still in the running for some really really good players. That you know, by the time this whole thing kind of reclassifies and is regraded. I think several of their guys are going to be rated higher than where they are now. And some of the guys that they're still in on uh, likely are going to be rated higher than they are now as well. 713 on the Knippel Meyer Chevrolet text line. Anyone else come away excited about Jaden Jackson? He looks like a dude drawing yeah. three to four blockers underrated. We'll be watching Stone to see if he signs in the end. Wouldn't surprise me if there was another twist in his recruitment. He said he didn't decide until that moment. For now, though, big get for Todd Bates and Britt Venables. Yeah. And then, yeah, nope. Taylor Tatum is also a 20 he, – he's a composite five-star, so overlooked him. But throw that to the five-star list, Taylor Tatum. Right. Well, fun times. Hopefully hopefully it continues. And I, the, the thing we need to throw on this uh, little bitty fire that we have going right now is some accelerant. And uh, that would be a double-digit win season, a conference championship, and if we want to get greedy, a college football playoff well, appearance, Well, and, right? and that's – if you think OU is going to be a lot better and have a really good year, like that's where it's really exciting to think about the final, what, three months of this recruiting class is yeah. they got David Stone and they, they have a, a top-ten class right now coming off a six-and-seven season – They've got recruiting momentum right now after Saturday. What kind of recruiting momentum can they generate if they get Nigel Smith, a top 100 player, if they get Danny Okoye, one of, if not the best players in the state of Oklahoma this year? Like, what, what kind of, what else can they do here with this class if they start to play some really good ball this year? Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Um, It's got to turn into wins, though. I mean, it, it's it's super exciting. I'm. It has to turn into wins, but I, I think we can say this after around what eighteen months on the job. What we hope he and the staff were going to do recruiting is, I mean, has has happened over the course of eighteen months or however long it's been. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, right? Is that is it too soon no. to make that? I, I don't. I don't think that it is. I don't, it wasn't too soon to make that announcement la- last year's signing day. Yeah, yeah. You know, in December, I, whenever they inked uh, one of the best-looking <laughs> defensive talents we've seen in a long time, and Adabare, I and Peyton Bowen, I, that 
I think that solidified that that whole uh, question mark right then and there. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Stay tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. At Landers CDJR of Norman, we are driven to serve. Make this the summer event with our best offers, like $9,000 off 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee L or lease a 2023 Jeep Renegade for $299 a month. Landers CDJR of Norman, driven to serve. Attention all Sooner fans. Don't miss your chance to secure your seats for the 2023 Oklahoma football season today. Season tickets start at $400, and being a season ticket holder is the feel great about Dylan. He's had a great camp. This is a guy that started 36 games. Uh, he's had a ton of production. So looking for him to, you know, be dominant and, and play really, really well at a cha- championship level. Uh, expect that. He expects that. And so excited for him to, to get on the grass Saturday morning. And then with Jackson, you know, we'll continue to work through that. We want to try, you know, every way imaginable to, to create growth uh, when those opportunities come up. Uh, so as we work through that, we'll continue to evaluate and see where that, that lands. More from Jeff Lebby earlier today talking about his two quarterbacks. We will hear from Brent Venables coming up tomorrow at 1130. First depth chart of the season will be released tomorrow with a uh, game coming up on Saturday. You predicted, Monday prediction, Jackson Arl with two passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown for Saturday. Three total TDs for the true freshman in his first game. Was that what I said? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I'll stand by that. 70%, Why not? You said 70% chance that happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's not out of the realm of possibility, is nope, it? No, you predicted that, and I predicted 52-10 for a final, which is an easy I, cover. The only thing that makes me slow down on that prediction would be the offensive line, um, the second unit offensive line. I think we're. I don't think we're in a bad spot, but like, because they're gonna. It'll be a wholesale change when they take that starting offensive line out, um, and I don't think Sexton is ready to go yet. They're definitely not gonna have two tackles out there like Guyton and Rouse. Right. Um, and even on the interior, it's going to be quite the step down. But, you know, I still think that he should have plenty of opportunities uh, to move the football and do so at a really high level. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would say this is the um, least talented team you're probably going to play all year long. Uh, the, I may not be a 35-point favorite again at any point this year. And I think OU will be favored in 11 or 12 games this year, but this may be the last time that you're this big of a – I mean, 35 points is a lot, man. That's a lot. I don't think you'll be favored by that much against SMU or Tulsa. Tulsa? No? Yeah, maybe like 31. Why not with 31. Tulsa? I, I bet it'll be it'll – be, the Tulsa game will be the closest in terms of the largest spread. I mean, it'll be the next closest. But 35, I don't, I don't know if that game gets there. Well – you know, here's the thing about the Tulsa game. Um, if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma smashes Arkansas State and then smashes SMU, I, the Tulsa uh, line could get pretty healthy. Yeah. 
especially if they don't if they're struggling offensively. I mean, well, and they, it's probably not going to look good. I know they they play APB, but then they got they're going to Washington. They play Washington and Oklahoma in back to back weeks. So this game, Difficult. the Tulsa game, will be your two biggest spreads of the year. And yeah. uh, we had about fifty mm-hmm. text submissions coming in, and none of them picked Arkansas State in the points. Everyone's feeling good. I, yeah. I mean, right? No one in conference that you'd be favored by this much against. Well, I it, it's hard to envision that, but I, I guess you never really know what happens and injuries and everything. Like someone's season can really fall apart. West Virginia but, could be. I I, I don't even I don't think the West Virginia yeah. line. I mean, I'm just saying like that's the. The, the best possible scenario there, like of teams in the league. I don't know. They start checking burner phones for Iowa State. You may have uh-huh. like intramural players uh, suiting up by the time we get there. But very, very other accurate. than that, yeah, I don't think so. I think I think everyone's going to be pretty solid. I think West Virginia is going to be a solid football team this year. Yeah. I know they're pick what they picked last, but they're not going to be. Uh, I feel very strongly that West Virginia will not finish need last in the conference. Need to be better at quarterback this year, West Virginia, amongst other positions. They need to be – if their quarterback play can be what it was against Oklahoma, how we made them look last year, they would, they'll would they have a good season. That goes for 90% Everyone. of teams. <laughs> yeah. That's fun to think about, isn't it? I thought hey, we were we, finally past the 6-7 and seven season, and you had to bring that up. Hey, we can only joke about this for a little bit longer – and then if uh, if we start losing some games, then we won't be joking about it anymore, right? True that. I'll tell you, Pat McAfee wasn't a very popular man in Stillwater this weekend. Uh, he had this to say on ESPN about the Bedlam rivalry going away. To enjoy something that happened 107 times now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. Oklahoma State might be happy that this rivalry is over. Yeah. 91-19-7. <laughs> Oklahoma is in the in the Bedlam rivalry. So I don't know if they're jumping in to sign up for that more time. <laughs> I hope the Oklahomans get a chance to experience a good sport. Ooh, boy. Yeah, OSU social media didn't take kindly to that from old McAfee. Yeah, is that the – I mean, if you just take the 1,000-foot uh, view of this thing – it's pretty simple why we're not playing Bedlam anymore, right? <laughs> right? It, if if we had an opportunity to opt out of a series that was what he say 91 19 and 7 or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. I if we had the opportunity to opt out of something like that, I think we probably would too. Yeah. They they would just they would prefer to not play the game, but complain like it's OU's fault that they're not going to play the game anymore. It's, it's really a hell of a strategy. Out ever. Oh, dude, it's a hell of a strategy. Point the finger yeah. at OU, act like it's all their fault, but secretly, yes, yes, they've ruined us for years, and we finally get to get away from it. Thank so, God. Mike Gundy's thinking, hell, they're going to pay me $10 million a year now. This is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gosh, if it weren't for Oklahoma, Mike Gundy might have the best record in all of college football over the last 10 years. That, dude. He and Saban, man. One and yep. two. Uh, Pastor MC, oh man, you guys have me becoming Boomer Doomer number four. All this talk, blowouts make me nervous. I remember last year too well. Well, to be fair, we're just talking about blowouts over Arkansas State. Yeah. Which, which, which that's, it, it better be just that. 
Right. Yep, that's it. All right, quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap things up next here from Newcastle Casino. Stay tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. GMC 